0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to the COVID-19 Vaccine Show. I'm excited to welcome Dr. Mark Hayden. Dr. Mark, what's going on? How are you? Uh, I'm doing great. You know, last week we saw you swallowed the latest version of COVID-19 by drinking and also putting it on a cracker. Now, again, we're hearing more and more the virus is deadly, the virus is in really bad shape and everyone the only way we're going to change things is to get everyone vaccinated
1: yeah the virus is deadly to those who don't have an immune defense those who don't have an immune defense are those people who lack a normal immune system and never have had immune exposure immune exposure comes in in two patterns. It comes in respiratory exposure, where you inhale it and you get pulmonary complications and you transmit it from your lungs to other people. Exposure also comes from having it on your food invisibly because the virus is heavier than air. It settles out. So then when people are speaking, singing, talking, it is going out of their chest, and it's just, it is depositing. It's going on your food, on your takeout, on your spoons, on your plates. It's going everywhere. So what I am saying today is use the word exposure, not just cases. Now, this is the first time. You've, you've been hearing COVID for 18 months, some odd. Have you ever heard the word, let's just talk about exposure? Not really, but it's all about exposure. I've got, I'm sharing the screen with you and this is a uh, worldometers. Uh, it, it is the current, actually it's yesterday's reading. Let's look at USA numbers. Look, USA numbers, total cases, 35 million. Now that's cases. Is that how many exposures we've had? I No way, Jose. Case is defined as somebody had a positive PCR test or a positive um, antigen test. Right. Let's say you bought takeout during some of the pandemic. The people serving your takeout were breathing COVID virus all over it. Do you wash your salad off? Do you wash your hamburger off when you buy takeout? I don't. I just eat whatever they prepare for me. So you were swallowing virus from your environment because literally it was getting everywhere in the restaurants. It was getting everywhere in your kitchens. It was getting everywhere. Now, when did you have the opportunity to make a case? If you became symptomatic during a pandemic in the United States, you might go down and get tested and have your nose swabbed or your mouth swabbed. Big deal. But if you had no symptoms, you know what you did? You most of the time you saved yourself the money. You saved yourself your time. You didn't go anywhere. So the actual exposures are 10 times probably or not 10 times. They're probably close to six to eight times the actual number of true cases that were positive by PCR or antigen test. Because now, many, people, many, because many,
0: many are asymptomatic the entire that's time.
1: That's right. Now, why in the United States are so few people dying? Look at these new deaths over here. Yesterday, forty-nine. Now, it was well known that the highly transmissible variants were sweeping across the country. We and we, it was well known that people stopped wearing masks about two months ago, and yet we only have forty-nine deaths. What happened to the big COVID variant death wave? Well, what happened was simply this. Most of the American population had already been previously exposed to the earlier membrane proteins of the original uh, coronavirus that was being spread. So we had exposure throughout the United States in the prior waves which made us much less susceptible as a country to death rates. Look at that, 49, look, 49, 49. Remember, there was almost, what, a, a peak load of 4,000, 100 times that? And this is a variant, this variant, which has already swept across America. It swept across America in, in the beginning of June and July. It's already passed through your state.
0: They, so you're thinking there was an agenda by having people take all their masks off to get a few more cases so no, that they push the vaccine more.
1: I don't want to use words. People were so sick of wearing their stupid mask and the mask didn't work on an aerosol anyway. Let's just be honest. Masks were very ineffective on a true aerosol. It doesn't stop the spread. So because there was so much exposure in the first waves. Now you can say, well, that's all an interesting theory to explain why the death rate in the United States is so low. What do you have to back that up? Dr. Hayden, come on, let's just, let's just be the devil's advocate. I want show me the proof, right? Show you the proof. Let's just go over here. Let me hit share my screen again. Hold on. Um, you're, the screen's on. Okay, let me get this one. Okay, you see this viral load? We don't see that, Mark. We okay, just can we share this screen? Hold on.
0: So just, you might just need to open up another window.
1: Okay, hold on. I'm going to come down here to share screen.
0: So you could stop, share for a second, then share again. That's probably the best. Okay. I'll stop, share for you. Yeah, we're talking again with Dr. Mark Hayden here on the COVID-19 Vaccine Show. And what we're seeing is the death rate numbers in the United States are not are much lower than India, than other countries, even though the highly
1: transmissible virus is, in, is going right now. Okay. Yes. Now, let's go through here. This is a sewer said shirt. Sewer Shed Surveillance Project. What that means is we go into the sewer systems of Missouri and we go and we look and we see where is where is the new viral load from COVID showing up at. And as we go through here, let's just start popping some of these. We can see the real peak. Look at this peak right here. Can you see this peak where i am going. got my cursor? Do you see the viral? Hold on. Hold on. Let me see. I, it says I'm screen sharing. Do you see a viral load? Yes. Okay. Notice that in late November, the viral load goes sky high in the sewer systems.
2: Do yes. you see
1: that? You see the viral load goes yes. sky high? What that meant is, the virus, the coronavirus variants that were spreading at that time had very fertile, I guess that's fertile intestines to grow in. There was no immune defenses. And so they could grow there for days, weeks, and produce a lot of viral load. Now, if we look down here to July, there is a little bit of a peak in July. But what happens is, it's a very short peak because I was exposed, when, you, when you're exposed to coronavirus the first time, you don't have any immune memory, but you learn from your exposure. That means when you're exposed to your second variant, it doesn't grow as well because you suppress it with your immune system. So the viral load that comes out of your intestines during the, during the second rounds of infection are much lower because of your prior experience. So what we see here is that true viral load is much, much lower this time because most of the people vaccinated and unvaccinated have already been exposed. Does that make sense? It makes complete really sense. Yes, so uh, what now, Let's just see what, let, let's look at, uh, hold on, let's, let me go back. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do stop share. And then I'm going to go back to share screen and I'm going to go back to this. I'm going to hit share on that. Okay, now we're back to this. Let's go back and talk about Missouri. Okay, if we look at Missouri... There's good old Missouri. Missouri is a place that we know the Delta variant went throughout. And, and it was tracked through the sewer system all the way back in, in mid-June, early June. So we know that with that highly transmissible variant, it went throughout the state of Missouri very rapidly within just a few weeks. We know that peak death rates generally happen 17 days after exposure for somebody who is naive and never seen it before. But if you've seen it before, your, your immune system is at least partially prepared. You will have fewer symptoms or no symptoms. Right. Okay. Now, let's look. Let's look at, at let's see if this holds true in Missouri. Hold on. Let's see. Uh, Missouri.
0: Yeah, there's Missouri right there.
1: Okay. Here we go. Now let's look at these Missouri cases.
0: All right, scroll that. And up you a can bit. and
1: you can actually do this same in your same state. I'm just picking out Missouri because so much is known about it because it was a hot hot spot for uh, Delta infections. Look at these daily new cases. Okay, now remember what I said about a case. Yeah, the max you, case. The do you max think it's going to go
0: up to the highest
1: level that it was in 2020? Let me tell you. If the the new variant is so good at spreading. Let's say we had a hundred million test kits just for Missouri. Missouri's got six million people. So if you test every person once a day for seven days a week, you're gonna go through four million, no, 42 million cases. I mean, test kits a week. That's a lot of test kits, Mm -hmm. okay? But guess what? What you would find is the real number of cases in, in Missouri is not 3,000. The real number of, of cases is probably 10, 20,000 a day, maybe 30,000 a day, if you force those people to be tested. But guess what? They're asymptomatic. They're not even getting tested. Does that make sense?
0: It makes a little sense. So let's talk yes. about this.
1: Okay. So so in, guess let's what look at take. India.
0: Let's look at India. Be okay. What's what this? Think.
1: Hold on. Now let's look at the same death rate. Look, daily deaths in Missouri. Totally down. Totally down. They they
0: disappeared. So why are they saying this is so deadly, Dr. Mark? Because
1: It's it's deadly to people who have no experience, who had no exposure. Now, I told y'all a very bizarre statement. And, you know, I hope my listeners are international people from India, from China, from Asia, and that's And I have many people that are from America that that think in international terms. And I hope each one of y'all pray for populations that have no exposure and no immune defense. Those are the people you should pray for. Because those people have a highly transmissible variant at this point. And if they have no defense, they are in deep, deep trouble. I have not, from the first time I met you, I told people to get an immune defense. I told people to get an intestinal inoculation of live virus. And in fact, I told the CDC that, I told the Department of Homeland Security. Unfortunately, stupidity doesn't just exist at the Department of Homeland Security. It doesn't just exist at the CDC. Stupidity exists Well, I guess the better, more kind word is ignorance exists in North Korea and in China. China had outstanding diagnostic facilities and they would try the strict quarantine. China is getting into all sorts of problems because as the variant mutates, it becomes better and better at transmission. It is likely that their idea that they can quarantine themselves out of this will fail. They must choose a way of getting immunity. And the best way of getting immunity is, as I have always said, through the intestinal tract.
0: Okay. So we've talked about this many times. I'd like a little comparison. Look at India. Let's go to India's death rate because why they had, let's take a look at India's death rate and look at the scale and what's happened and how things have changed. From when they really were hurting, so let's go. Yes. Let's go to that real quick.
1: Okay, here's our main. Is that India? No, this we're coming down to it. Hold on,
0: Mark Hayden, Doctor Mark Hayden understands so much about this vaccine, the, the 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 virus, and he's predicted everything when everyone was saying it's over don't invest in big stadiums, don't invest in these things, because as long as there are cases
1: and there's not enough vaccines out there. I will say this. For people who own big stadiums, what is occurring in Missouri is your best hope. And i tell you why. Let's say I owned a big stadium right now. I can point to Missouri that, The virus is being constantly transmitted, but we have a low death rate, right? So I could say that maybe this fall, if our death rates stay real low, let's face it, everybody's had the virus. Everybody's going to keep swapping new variants, but the symptoms are going to be so low that nobody's going to die from it. So let's just go and maybe one or two people might get a cold and nobody's going to die from it. So that argument looks much better than things looked last year for people on stadiums. It actually looks better for people who owned cruise ships. Let's say you were taking a cruise ship and we only let people on the cruise ship who are from Missouri, who have been exposed on their food and have, we know that the COVID waves have gone through all of Missouri and that when they get on the ship, they've already been exposed the death rates on those ships is going to be extremely low. You're going to have low liability and you're still going to be able to take a cruise for everybody on Missouri. Yeah. Let's,
0: so let's take a look at India real quick. Okay. What hold on. That? Let's
1: see. Right. All right. Let's see. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Okay. India. And I got to go back to the day before. Yesterday. India. 38,000 cases, 411 new deaths. Okay? Now, if you'll notice, in the USA, we had only 49 deaths yesterday out of 35,000, actually 13,000 new cases. That is um, one in... Uh, it's 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 a death rate of a very very low the the low very low ratio. So um, if we look at India, they had a total of thirty eight thousand reported cases. But see, actually, the number of reported cases there multiply that by eight. There's probably a quarter million people contacted the virus in India. Yeah, let's take a look. At, can we see there. that
0: graph? Let's take a look at the That's graph okay. for okay. India. Let's All right,
1: here we, here we go. Here we go. Here here we go.
0: I'm interested to look at when really things were going bad for there, their second wave.
1: Okay, look, total cases in India are flattening out. You see how this last curve yeah. starts to flatten. And if you look, look at the daily new cases. The daily new cases in India shot right through the ceiling, didn't they? And now they're picked out. Now look, let's look at active cases. Now deaths. let's look at death rates. Daily new deaths in India down lower it's here it is it's not peaking up it's going why did it go
0: so high in between that time and it's not happening in the united states like that
1: well their first wave did not spread we actually had much more spread in our environment they didn't have a sewer shed project to show where it was being spread at Mm. in other words i can look at our sewer data in missouri and show The COVID in the sewer systems hit a peak last year in Missouri. It's not hitting that peak this time because most of the exposures have already happened. That's right. So So in Missouri, there's very few, by far most of the population, including the vaccinated as well as the unvaccinated, have already already been uh, exposed. And already have some degree of immune protection. That's right. So unbelievably enough,
0: after we kind of look at all this in in many areas, what we have learned from this process, what we have learned is that um, that India, uh, we're learning from all from this process is that oral inoculation is the best idea. And if there's a push for the vaccine, expect your news media to talk about this variant
1: is deadly, look out for it, but yet we're not seeing it in the numbers. And so- here, Here is one of the problems, Neil. If you're running a propaganda program for the CDC and you've told all these people they were doomed if they didn't get a vaccine, and then you tell them, honestly, that 80% of the people have been exposed to the new Delta variant in Missouri. And then you tell them that, well, I guess we didn't have hardly any deaths and 90, the vast majority, 90, 95% of cases are asymptomatic, more and more asymptomatic cases and fewer, fewer deaths. That makes it look like it was unnecessary to get the vaccine. Then you have to deal with as soon as people begin to think, well, I didn't have to get the vaccine, I could, have, I could have used oral inoculation, then they look at the CDC and say, why didn't you have some form of oral inoculation? Then they come up with a bunch of excuses why they chose the, the injections I am instead of doing oral inoculation. This is all about CYA covering their mistakes of the past. Oral inoculation was available last year and could have been done on every American within six weeks. There was no need for this widespread pandemic. You could have inoculated everybody in the United States within two to three months. And, and, there, and everybody would have been exposed. Everybody, would, nobody would have had to have any lockdowns. Nobody would have had to have a loss of their civil rights. But hey, guess what? That's, that wouldn't have served the needs of the people who were in charge. You see, government, especially the government of the United States, is not about serving the people. It's about serving those who have control of government. And those are two different things. You know, you live here. I live here. We're born here. And, you know, in a lot of ways, it's, it's so much better than, than banana republics in South, South America. And it's better than a lot, most, many, many, many countries abroad. But still, the government has to have an open, transparent policy that is debated publicly. They didn't debate these issues. They didn't, hey, guess what? They they decided these deals behind closed doors where the biggest people there were the lobbyists and lawyers for the big pharma companies. That is, hey, they told your doctor not to get involved, to go home. They closed closed their practices, told them to shut up and keep their mouth shut. But you know, the doctors in your community were not stupid. They weren't dumb, they're not retarded. They should have advocated for their patients. Inoculation has been around for centuries and it was the simple, fast solution. And now they're talking about, guess what? You're gonna need a Pfizer booster. Laugh my ass off. I mean, or you're gonna need a Moderna booster. Oh, Are you going to need, be needing boosters the rest of your life? Exactly. I guess Absolutely.
0: so. Until so, so we get yes. the oral vaccine.
1: Yeah. So. And, and now yeah. here's, you know, Neil, the real way to test who has the best immunity is to do what I do inhale live virus. Yes. Okay. You know, oh, and you know why that's not done? There's an excuse for that at the CDC. Oh, we don't want to subject people to the risk of dying. No, if you believe in your product, you test at the risk of dying. Exactly. You can never eliminate all tests. Okay. You know when does 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 Elon Musk drive a plaid Model S? He does, I'm sure, uh, because he tests his own vehicle. Risk is always present in life. We should be comparing the immunity of the different brands using live inhalation on live subjects. And if you can't find the people to do it, you need to go to your pharmaceutical, the people that made it and say, hey, give us some of your pharmacy executives and let's test it on them. Okay. You no, know, you'll see videos with me. I test my product. I test it in repeatedly. I'm alive. I've tested it. I've inhaled many, uh, at least five, six times without masks. I was the first physician in the United States, not to wear a mask deliberately around positive patients because I had already developed an immunity.
0: Okay. So, all right. So closing out, you always have your final say.
1: Yeah. You know, um, my ancestors were men and women. Infectious disease and viruses, were around them all the time. They would see their family members get sick and die. Some of my family family members and my ancestors had eight, nine children. And it was necessary to have that many children because so many died off before reaching productive ages. And yet many of the things that protected them, they could not understand. They didn't even know what a virus was. The reason I'm alive today and the reason you're alive is not because we understand all the, prof- the processes that affect our survival, because we don't. We're alive because God has a plan for us and a destiny for us. Every day that you have is a gift. It's a gift from God. You need to make the most of that. And you need to live each day to the max and and make your days count. Because your days are numbered and my days are numbered. I won't be dying of COVID or of coronavirus because I already have immunity to the membrane protein. And the membrane protein doesn't change much regardless of the variant. The spike protein changes. I can die from a car wreck a heart attack, a stroke. And on my appointed day to die, I'm gonna die. I accept that. But I've gotta make the most use of today and I don't wanna live in fear. Certainly you want to have immune protection from coronavirus, it cannot be stopped. It is highly transmissible and you want to have immune protection. So get exposure in the, in the form and develop an immune protection in the manner in which you will have the least side effects. And that's what I've said from the get-go. Inhaling COVID without immune protection can lead to very serious pulmonary complications, uh, long-term pulmonary disease, long-term fatigue, and a very unpleasant life. You may not die, but you may be very short of breath. Eating COVID, ingesting it orally, is an exposure that actually protects people. The World Health Organization was correct when they said that eating COVID is not dangerous, but they should have gone a step further. They should have said that eating COVID on your food is actually protects most people. They did not. They didn't wanna go there because they wanted to get behind big pharma, big money, and they wanted to serve all their traditional approaches. But the most traditional approach is to use oral inoculation. Oral polio virus has worked for years. We had inoculation using live virus for measles. And in fact, we still do use a measles live virus, I believe, yeah. And really, these things were not open. They were not debated nor discussed. They were rammed down the throats of the CDC in private meetings. Trump did not understand this virus. And Trump played right into the hands of of the CDC and Trump lost his job. He trusted the wrong people. But, you know, hey, that's not me. He had other choices and other options. Live each day like it's going to be like it may be your last and make your days count. You have a great day. Thank you. All right. Okay.
0: So that was the COVID-19 vaccine show. What an amazing show. Again, make sure you like, share it, and trust me, it's going to go out everywhere, especially when Dr. Hayden ate COVID. Take care, guys. Please listen to the Forletta Podcast. Larry Forletta, a retired DEA agent turned private investigator, will bring you true life stories on the war on drugs with some of the most infamous international drug traffickers of all time, to name a few. Pablo Escobar, Manuel Noriega, Joaquin Guzman, aka El Chapo, and other related real-life crime stories such as Waco. For more information, please visit his website at www.fcisllc.com. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Photographic Memory Podcast. I'm excited to welcome Dr. Shannon Panza. Dr. Shannon, what's going on? How are you? Oh, I'm doing great. Everything is working here. I have... have
3: my clients are loving me as usual, and that's a great place to be. I get to discuss all kinds of wonderful things with them. And, uh, oh, it's
0: just, it's all fantastic. Yes. Because great things happen here. Yep. And then it gets to remember, <laughs> Dr. Shans is a photographic memory expert. He is also a mentor. And last, and then we talked about mentoring, but also he is a brain management expert. But in mentoring, you can go to Zuxpro.com for more information and go to ZuxPro to sign up for ZuxPro. Our topic tonight is critical thinking. So it's a word that they bring out, it's a buzzword in schools for sure. Critical thinking, teaching critical thinking skills. So what is critical thinking? Okay. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna
3: handball this one back to you since you brought it up that they actually talk about it in schools.
0: So uh, how would you how would you assess what critical thinking is? Well, if you look at Bloom's taxonomies, there's knowledge applicate, there's knowledge types of memorization, application. Then, when you get to the higher levels of Bloom's, is where critical thinking comes into play. You're and I'm trying to kind of you're hitting me right with a good question like that, but <laughs> because knowledge application, synthesis, and then it really goes deeper because. The knowledge is really a simple part of it. But when you go deeper into that process of blooms, that's where critical thinking comes into play. You okay. don't just answer a question with just answering a basic knowledge question or a a little bit of evaluation. You really have to break things down and take prior knowledge and put it into current and then explain it in a way that is able to create many different facets to it. That's critical thinking.
3: Gee, I must live off of that stuff. <laughs> okay, now uh, when it comes to critical thinking, yes, this is a higher, uh, a higher knowledge form of learning, uh, education, and being able to present your present your ideas in a. Uh, Not necessarily a logistical fashion, but a fashion that works and can be interpreted by the listener so that you can get your point across these types of things. Would you agree with that? Yes, absolutely. Okay. So whenever you're dealing with critical information, the first thing in order to line yourself up in order to gain access to critical information is something that you may not think of in in uh, in this particular realm and that is you first must clear your mind you must take steps to make sure that your thinking is as clear as possible and this this may be with meditation Uh, this may be with certain techniques uh, techniques that I teach, and uh, and Zoxbro teaches as well, but these techniques are involved in clearing the mind so that you can disseminate the information much better. The second thing is, and this is getting into the more obvious things, the second thing is being able to take in accurate information and good information to start with. Information in general. Um, I'll give you an I, I'll give you an example, of which I'll return to uh, time and time again in this. Uh, right now, we're going through a time in history where our uh, our news media, our governments are outright lying through their teeth to us. Yes, and we have to have the education, the knowledge the memory to be able to combat this within ourselves because we have the minions out there that are being driven by those same lies telling us we don't know what we're talking about and in your heart you absolutely do know what you're talking about and no you're not insane but it's because if you have a good memory if you have a good way of dealing with information if you, Know what you're talking about, then you're you're steadfast right. in your resolve, and you can you can stand against the tidal wave of pressure to get you to buy into something that is not the right thing for you. Exactly. And this is exactly what we're being faced with today. So it's really important that you have the means to do this, and. And also, you, if you are unsure of these things, then you need to have some level of vindication. You have something to come back to and say, yes, I actually do know what I am talking about. I have that source of information. Now, in order to gain that clear, concise information, we use mental photography as is previously stated in some of the other things, mental photography is a way to read energy. When you get really good at using mental photography, you can feel the energy of whatever's being presented to you. You can feel whether it's right. You can feel whether it's wrong. You can feel that it's the truth, or you can feel that it's a lie. And you feel this in your heart and you actually utilize this information. This information is what we all gain access to. Now, there's, again, it's very multifaceted, what is actually happening here. And in order to take control of your life and your decisions, and by the way, critical thinking has to do with critical decision-making. In other words, the things that are actually going to affect you the rest of your life, these are critical decisions. And right now, it has never been more important for you to have the ability to make critical decisions based on
0: critical thinking for yourself.
3: Is this all lining up to make sense?
0: Yes, it's making complete sense. And I'm understanding it. So basically what you're saying is that critical decisions is part of critical thinking. You're not going to be able to make a critical decision without critical thinking skills. So let's kind of jump into the fact of taking the Zucks Pro method of using mental photography to photograph things. How's that make your brain stronger? Because that's just a knowledge application to be able to really explain and define that information and be able to put it into real world sense. Well,
3: as I've said before, mental photography is the world's greatest brain exercise. it'll, it'll, make your brain work and exercise itself in ways that you just normally don't expose yourself to. So it's really important that you get this right and you you get it well because it's going to make you a lot more knowledgeable. It'll make you a lot more resilient. And the mental photography triggers what is called neuroplasticity. Now, uh, when it comes to mental photography, you're going to be taking information in at least 100 times, no less, 100 times the speed of reading. Wow. Plus, your retention is going to be close to 100%. And while reading, retention is, after 48 hours, only 5%. Well, what do you expect to do with 5% of the material? That's why we have such a problem. That's a big bottleneck there.
0: Yeah, because you can't really be critically thinking if you only remember 5% of the material.
3: Right. So now you have the availability of getting material at least 100 times the speed and 100 times the impact of reading. Plus, you're going to have retention of that information for the rest of your life. That is going to stimulate certain things to happen within your brain. This is what stimulates neuroplasticity neuroplasticity within our dynamic brain simply is a i guess you could say normally it's considered maintenance so as things die off in the brain this thing comes along the neuroplasticity comes along and rebuilds the things that kind of die off and and replace and that's kind of how it usually works but it has another aspect to it that other aspect is is if we can tip the scales to make it work in our direction in a very fast way, it rebuilds our brain much faster, much more complete, and much stronger than what it was before. And the way that we do this, again, is through the mental photography. Mental photography initially will stress your abilities, and that's perfectly fine. It'll stress you because it's building It's doing things within your brain you haven't experienced before. So it's building your brain stronger in order to accommodate that. The brain is actually much, it's a wonderful device that does that automatically. And so you're gonna become a lot stronger, mentally speaking, overall. This means that everything that you do will start to become a little bit easier. And your memory naturally will
0: become much better. Makes complete sense in the critical thinking area and critical thinking skills are the kind of skills that the top notch successful people in this world are able to do by retaining certain information and be able to provide it in a way that really breaks things down but also shows their knowledge not just knowledge from just having a knowledge but really understanding the material right so
3: does this sound like something that people should want in their life.
0: I think they need to go to Zuxpro.com, take Zuxpro today. But also before you know it, Dr. Shannon is going to be full of mentoring. So you need to go to Zuxpro.com right now and and hire him as a mentor. As we saw in in other upcoming episodes and current episodes have happened, that Dr. Shannon is able to really help people because great things happen here yay <laughs> so the a great com. idea appreciate that you stopping, stopping by Dr. Shannon and that was the Photographic Memory Podcast take care guys
3: Celebrity Slots free, spin. free to play mobile social slot games in the likeness of your favorite celebrities making money spin to win celebrity experiences through sweepstakes free to download free to play
2: yeah baby what are you waiting for win meet and greets
3: celebrity merchandise
2: gift cards and more download celebrity slots today
0: oh yes guys welcome to the neil haley show and we continue to cover the book john smith wrote on called embracing the bis he's also a podcaster Searching for integrity. John, how are you? And uh, excited about
2: going into chapter six? I am. It's one of my favorite chapters. Okay. <laughs> it just, uh, it's going to show that there's a regular life other than the life that I led. Yes. So I'm ready when you are. Yeah, I'm ready. Okay. Uh, chapter number six. Uh, the title is A Regular Date. It was September 1983. Dondi accounting staff had arranged a Friday evening happy hour at close by Shotgun Willie's. Only one week earlier, I had been having a beer with an old high school friend. I told him that I had lost all faith in meeting a woman that I would want to marry. For over a year, I had dated a lot, meeting lots of women who I had a lot of fun with, but no one seemed to be the one I was looking for. I had reached the point of giving up because I now concluded she didn't exist. (laughs) My friend agreed, sometimes it works out that way, doesn't it, he said. I replied that I was tired of looking. No more expectations, I said. The Friday evening happy hour event at Shotgun Willie's included both Dondi accounting staff and some people from Texas Instruments. After sizing the place up, I began to mix in with the crowd. Arriving at a booth where three women were sitting, including my friend Karen from Dondi accounting, I stopped to say hello. Karen made the introductions. To one of the ladies, I said, nice to meet you, Alice. Which drew a quick correction. My name is not Alice, it's Alex. I apologized, and then my intuition kicked in, and the message came. I heard the words that had been said to me four years ago by a Dallas psychic named Ms. Harris, with whom I'd been reading, having a reading, Her answer to my question was, how will I know it's her? She said, you'll know. Miss Harris was an elderly woman with white hair, pleasant, but no nonsense type of person. One day during lunch at the company, I worked for that had gone, the one that I worked for that had gone bankrupt. A couple of girls were scurrying about preparing for a visit to Ms. Harris, and I asked, "What I, can I go along? She said, uh, yeah. I said, what's a reading? She said, how do you do it? They explained the basics, and I decided to give it a go. Evoking their lady's first privilege, I had to wait until last. <clears throat> I sat in the living room, visiting with Mr. Harris, who rocked in his rocking chair, watching TV. Finally, it was my turn. I entered the bedroom where Miss Harris was sitting. As I positioned the chair across from her, she looked at me and said, you're getting a divorce. And I said, what? She repeated, you're gonna get a divorce. I replied, I don't want a divorce. She countered, that doesn't matter. You're getting one anyway. You could have knocked me over with a feather. She then began to shuffle a regular deck of cards that she used to interpret futures. My future was coming whether I wanted one or not. I asked, why am I getting a divorce? She said, I don't know, but you will. Still stunned, I asked, will I remarry? She said yes to a very lovely woman. Pointing to the side of her temple, she said, she'll come to about here on you her hair will be slightly lighter than yours, and she'll weigh almost as much as you. She's schooled, smart, and athletic. When will I meet her? I asked. Meet her? I asked. She replied, "Not sure, but you'll know when it's her." Miss Harris shuffled the cards again and asked me to cut the deck three times. She proceeded by saying, "I see a lot of lawyers, a whole bunch of lawyers." Since I was a CPA, I figured that meant I was going to be professionally successful. She interrupted my wishful moment to say, it will be difficult for you, but you'll get through it. As I look back on that moment, I remember being confused, not knowing what to make of it. The more I thought about it, the more confused I got. As as much as I analyzed what she said, I couldn't figure it out. So I stopped wondering about it and left it in God's hands and the FBI's, apparently. The happy hour crowd was getting pretty noisy, but I still heard the voice in my head saying, she's the one. I shook my head to the side like there was something in my ear. I took a calm, deep breath to smooth out the excitement to see if the voice was gone, but I heard it again. She's the one. I didn't argue with myself because one of me always loses. I'd been waiting for this moment for a long time and could hardly believe it was happening. Alex surprised me with her quick wit and easygoing demeanor. She had a slight accent I couldn't place. Later I learned her father was Scottish and her mother Australian. After a 20 minute visit, I decided to leave and said, Nice to meet you again. The following week, I returned from a Vernon dove hunt with a couple of Dondi guys and an RV. They had decided to keep the RV to take to Shreveport, Louisiana, to do some gambling over the weekend. I got the idea in my head that Alex might like to go. So I got her phone number from Karen. I called Karen and asked her if she would like to take a short trip. Well, I called her, Alex and asked her if she would like to take a short trip to Shreveport to gamble. I told her an RV would be available for the trip. She said, no, thanks. I said, are you sure? She said, yes, if I don't like you and end up stuck in an RV, why would I do that? I I was a little taken back at the response, but I could see the wisdom in it. I said, then I guess I'll have to ask you out on a regular date. She replied, yes, you should do that. The next day I called for a regular date and we set it for the upcoming Friday. I could hardly wait. I drove to her apartment and rang the doorbell. She came to the door and motioned me through the small kitchen into the dining room. She stopped and turned around. She was wearing a gorgeous black dress. I had never seen such a beautiful being. At that moment, I felt like I needed an anchor chained to my ankle I would float away my heart was pounding I mean my heart was triple pounding standing across from her I was dumbstruck not knowing what to say then she did a full pirouette smiled a big smile and said I am so ready to go and I too was ready to go and already so hooked having taken the full line and sinker wow I remember myself, I reminded myself to maintain my cool throughout the evening. Drove to Greenville Avenue, where the clubs lined both sides of the street in Dallas. The first place we tried looking for dinner was a club named Champagne Johnny's. We went inside and didn't wait for seating. After a few minutes, I noticed that she was very quiet. I said, you've become very quiet. What's up? She said, I want to leave. And I'm not asking why, I said, okay, we can do that. And we did. We got into my car and drove across the street to another club for dinner. We had a good time. When we got ready to leave after dinner, I reached into my pocket for my wallet. But it wasn't there. I remembered then I'd left it on my kitchen counter. But I hadn't made the trip due to someone hurrying too much for a regular date. At first I felt a little panic, but I kept it to myself. Then I felt a wave of embarrassment that she had to buy dinner using her daddy's American Express card. Recently graduating as an engineer from Cornell Engineer, Cornell University, she had not established her own credit yet. After dinner, we made our way down the street to a club on the other side of Greenville Avenue that had the frog statues on the roof. We went inside, proceeded to dance the night away around 11 p.m. or so. She said, I don't think I should dance anymore. Why? Because I broke the zipper on the back of my dress, she said. What a beautiful looking black dress it was. She illuminated the room every time she walked into the dance floor. But given the current circumstance, it was time to go. On the way home, she told me that she had she, what had saddened her and caused her to become very quiet at the restaurant, first restaurant, the guy she had been dating had told her that he wasn't available that evening for a date. He told her he had family matters to attend to. But there he was, champagne and Jan, champagne Johnny's, sitting across the room with another date. This critical, slightly Sighting by Alex ended that relationship and paved the way for me, for us. I remembered a movie scene with a teenage boy surprised at finding a Playboy bunny on his bed. I think it was one of those Animal House movies. She'd been thrown in through his bedroom window via an explosion outside. The kid said, thanks, God. And after that, What happened at Champagne Johnny's, I too said, thanks, God. During my first 14 years on this planet, until we moved to Dallas, everyone I knew called me Johnny. I wondered if it was my name and had attracted me to that restaurant or if destiny had left a trail and waited inside. We left and headed in the direction of her apartment. I was preparing to cruise back by changing some settings on my car's super-duper stereo system. I thought I could impress her with some more music but it wasn't long until she was quiet again. I realized that she had fallen asleep. Her head leaned against the headrest, her face angled towards the window. Some regular date, huh? I arrived at her apartment complex and gently woke her. I got out and hurried, and, hurried around to the passenger door to help her out. We approached the stairs to her second floor apartment. As she began her ascent, I said goodnight and started walking towards my car. I could tell from her facial expression that she was a little surprised. I said I had a good time and would call. I did not kiss her, didn't even try. There would be a month of dating and almost daily phone calls before I would ask for a kiss. And then she delivered. On our second regular date at another club, along Greenville Avenue with a large fence around a backyard where we sat, I announced to Alex that she was going to have my children. She later claimed (laughs) that I had freaked her out, but I don't recall seeing it. During the reading session with Miss Harris told me I was getting a divorce. I asked her if there would be children with my unknown to be determined wife. and The answer was yes. That's the end of chapter six. So, John, by knowing your future already.
0: Yeah. How does that happen that you know you're going to marry somebody yet get a divorce based on what a psychic says?
2: How does it how does it work?
0: How's to have to get a divorce?
2: Because
0: I mean, the psychic already saying the marriage will fail.
2: Yeah, that's right. But, But I but I didn't realize it at the time, it, it had been a struggle with marriage therapies, counseling, that kind of stuff with my first wife. Um, the, the big thing here was that, was the part about Ms. Harris saying, I see a lot of lawyers. And I thought it was because I was a CPA.
0: Yeah, you're gonna see a lot of lawyers. It turns out because...
2: there was a lot of lawyers because of the Vernon Savings yeah. thing.
0: She was giving That's, you all those hints, but she couldn't. They were
2: all over the place.
0: Exactly. Wow. Yeah. And that's, a, so the surprise in all this is that, you know, it seems like a perfect picture. And then in our brains, we think it's a perfect picture. We don't see reality always smack dab at us. Right. right. We look at the present day, not the future. We don't yeah. plan on those things. We don't see red flags. And in many things we don't. Because we always want to please someone else. And when we do please somebody else, it's not the right person to please. It ends up
2: being pretty bad. Right, right. I, I, I'm, I'm feeling you're, you're speaking from the heart there, Neil. Yeah, definitely speaking from the heart because you just understand it. And you
0: see it. And you just see flat out. And that's what's so amazing about these interviews. And right. uh, I mean, the surprise, I think, that happens. So I would say, so a psychic tells you this, okay? A psychic tells you this, you, you meet the girl, you find out it's her, but then you don't believe that the other stuff is correct, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you hope that some of it was foggy, right? That the divorce right. wouldn't, gotcha. Right. Pretty interesting. But at least you didn't predict your future and say, and stop that future by never seeing that woman. I, I just followed the future. That's all yeah. it was. And you look back, would you have followed the future again
2: if you knew that psychic was true? Oh, absolutely. It would, okay. Absolutely. Uh, it's, uh, it's just a matter of this, this. I couldn't get it out of my head. I mean, there was a voice talking to me saying, this is the one. This is the one. Wow. So I believed it. And, I, and it's, it's true. We've been married now 30, 35 years, something like that. This one, this one, oh, so you, this was your second marriage, right? It is. Oh, see, I didn't
0: explain it. Okay, I was confused. That was the first marriage. That was a divorce. Yeah, the first marriage
2: was a divorce.
0: But the, but the psychic said divorce.
2: The the psychic said there will be a divorce, and I was surprised. I, was surprised. I said, no, I don't want a divorce.
0: Oh, I so you were married at that person. point. You were married at that point. Oh. Yes. So you saw this. See, that was confusing in the story. I'm glad right. I clarified.
2: Yeah. So
0: second one, the one you're married to now for 35 years. That's Alex. The one is The one that you met at the OA. And so you at that point were not, div- you already was divorced. So I get it. So the psychic was right about the divorce. That's right. So how many years difference was that? The The psychic meeting the psychic getting that reading and then then
2: meeting you're wanting to, to wait, wait for it. Yeah. Uh, probably, um, let's see, I'd say four, four or five years. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So you were searching.
0: So that's another reason why you were depressed because you were without at that point when you got that job, you were divorced. Okay. All right. So go to embracingthebiz.com. You want to purchase the book, go to searchingforintegrity.com, listen to all the podcasts and we'll take care and we'll talk soon. Okay. Okay. All right. Take Thanks, care.
2: Neil.